Are treatment decisions affected by age among patients with traumatic spinal cord injury? Do we overimage for distant metastases in early stage breast cancer? What is the balance between precaution and harm reduction in regulating electronic cigarettes? Welcome to CMAJ Podcasts. I'm Dr. Diane Kelso, Deputy Editor, and today I'm talking about the September 6, 2015 issue of the journal. In this issue, we cover topics ranging from managing acute stroke and investigating glaucoma to non-responding osteomyelitis in a child and the rhetoric of female sexual dysfunction. We'll also take a look at an important election issue for Canada. But first, let's talk about the two research papers in this issue. The first paper looks at the impact of older age, that is over 70 years, on treatment decisions and outcomes for traumatic spinal cord injury. We often think of this type of injury as a young person's issue, but globally there has been an epidemiological shift in the age of patients who have this type of injury. Older patients with traumatic spinal cord injury wait longer for surgery and are more likely to die in hospital. These findings are based on data for 1,440 patients from 31 acute care and rehab hospitals in Canada that participate in the Rick Hansen Spinal Cord Registry. The planned analysis, based on an age threshold of 70 years, showed that older patients were less severely injured than younger patients. However, differences in mortality between older and younger patients were statistically significant only with 60 as the age threshold, not 70. The authors suggest that further work is needed to assess why mortality is higher in this group, even though they have less severe injuries. Perhaps surgical delay and immobilization are contributing factors. Practice guidelines recommend that imaging to detect metastatic disease, for example bone scans and abdominal imaging, not be performed in most patients with early-stage breast cancer who are asymptomatic. Are we following these recommendations? According to authors of the second research paper in this issue, the answer is no. Using provincial registry data in Ontario, they found that of over 26,000 women with early-stage disease, 85.9% had at least one imaging test with a mean of 3.7 tests per patient image. Imaging was more likely for younger patients, those with greater morbidity, those who had tumors of higher grade or stage, or who had undergone pre-op testing such as ultrasonography or surgery in the community setting. While the investigators could not tell the reasons for the tests from their data, and some may have been ordered appropriately, this level of testing is not supported by guidelines and costs money that could be spent elsewhere, perhaps to better effect. For more on this issue, there's an accompanying commentary and podcast available at cmaj.ca. Two research articles in CMAJ Open are also highlighted in this issue. Do Canadians get enough sunlight to obtain the recommended vitamin D level? In short, the answer is no. In particular, those with darker skin who adhere to sun protection guidelines may not be able to synthesize enough vitamin D during any month of the year anywhere in Canada. The second article looks at whether autism spectrum disorder, which has both environmental and genetic components playing a role in its cause, is becoming more common in Newfoundland and Labrador given this province's unique genetic makeup among its people. The incidence appears to be rising in this province, and the prevalence among children born in 2006 was nearly 216 per 100,000, among the highest ever reported for a population in Canada. The authors argue that this supports the need for a provincial registry and more research into why the rate is so high. 
Electronic cigarettes are being increasingly used in Canada. We see e-smoke shops popping up everywhere. In a commentary on this issue, Labonte and Lencucha argue that measures similar to those for tobacco control be implemented. Why? While the risk associated with the use of electronic nicotine-containing cigarettes are yet unknown. However, the authors add that price measures should be used to encourage current tobacco users to shift to e-cigarettes, and for those who would like to quit and can't afford them, that governments investigate supplying free or subsidized e-cigarettes. A podcast is available at cmaj.ca. Strokes are common, with a lifetime risk of overt stroke at 1 in 4 at 80 years of age, and a lifetime risk of silent or covert stroke nearly 100%. In this review article, the diagnosis and management of acute ischemic stroke is compared with that of acute coronary syndrome to illustrate how the rapid relief of arterial occlusion and restoration of normal blood flow can save lives and prevent disability. Time is brain. But as with acute coronary syndromes, coordinated systems of care are required to achieve good outcomes, say the authors. A podcast on this important issue is available at cmaj.ca. This issue's practice section addresses screening for glaucoma in a patient with a family history, the management of non-responding osteomyelitis in a two-year-old boy, and the surprising diagnosis, a curious case in which a child developed peanut and fish allergies after a platelet transfusion, and how to tell the difference between benign causes of black nail and subungual malignant melanoma. The humanities section includes a thoughtful piece on the rhetoric of female sexual dysfunction. Is offering drugs to treat female hypoactive sexual desire disorder faux feminism? The news section looks at cannabis clinics, online tools to improve physician billing, and a profile of the incoming CMA president, Dr. Cindy Forbes. The last page in the print or digital issue, Digestive, for those who have access to this, provides a look at popular comment from CMAJ blogs and digital media. Topics range from being a member of a non-visible minority, a gay male physician, being labeled as having medically unexplained symptoms, to an American physician's view of the gun lobby. Finally, the editorial by Matthew Stanbrook in this issue looks at an important issue in this fall's election, health care. It argues that the federal government can't opt out of health care and indeed should be a leader in such areas as pharmacare, equitable access, and protecting public health. For more, there's a podcast with Dr. Stanbrook available at cmaj.ca. To read this issue and to access the podcast, see cmaj.ca. I'm Dr. Diane Kelso, Deputy Editor. Thanks for listening.